Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hi, I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and we've got a special episode of the Steven Universe podcast for you. Let's just say that in honor of Thanksgiving, this particular episode is especially for all of you guys, the fans. I include myself in that too, and so do the Crewniverse as you're about to hear. We are all so thankful that you love Steven Universe as much as we do. So a bunch of Crewniverse members, including Rebecca Sugar, Ian Jones-Cordy, Kat Morris, and Joe Johnston are answering your questions. And Rebecca and Ian, along with OKKO executive producer Toby Jones, are sharing an awesome behind-the-scenes look at what it took to create the crossover nexus, right down to some of the ideas that had to be cut from the episode simply due to time. So thank you for submitting all of your great questions. And if you didn't hear yours today, it might be in a future episode. And if you haven't submitted one yet, you still have time to do that, too. Just send it to me on Twitter at MKAtwood. Okay, let's start things off with Rebecca, Ian, and Toby Jones and the crossover nexus. All right, I'm here with Rebecca Sugar and Ian JQ, the creator of OKKO, and Toby Jones, executive producer on OKKO. Thank you guys so much for joining me. Happy to be here. Thanks so much. Thanks for having us. Of course, yeah. So uh, I wanted to talk about Crossover Nexus. There was a huge response for Garnet and KO working together in that crossover episode. What was it like having you guys' characters on screen together for the first time? <laughs> it was amazing. It wasn't really the first time because they're all over all the drawings, all the errant papers around our house. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> we draw them together a lot. It felt yeah. very natural. Because mm-hmm. they came into existence at pretty much the exact same time, right? Yeah, actually, that is something that, like a piece of trivia a lot of people don't know, is that the Steven Universe pilot and the OKKO pilot were made at the same time. Yes, in um, 2011. Yeah, in 2011. We, uh, we were boarding them. I think we boarded them in, like at the exact same time. Yeah. So it's been it's been a long time coming. Right. And and then there's that connection between Ruby and KO too, right? Oh yeah, yes, for sure. Yes, KO came first and Ruby was inspired very much by KO. Yeah. You hear that everyone? Very important detail. <laughs> <laughs> chicken and egg situation yeah i thought it was really fun sort of you got to pay so much homage or or homage to like um all these past cartoons what was it like sort of trying to tackle that all in you know the 11 minute time run of the episode i mean that, that kind of became one of our big missions once we kind of you know this was a long process to kind of get to where we got and once we landed there that kind of became one of our primary tasks is being like we want to make we want to make sure we could hit every single Cartoon Network show, if possible. And so that became one of our biggest uh, crusades uh, once we got to that point of the uh, process. Yeah, and I think we were really also trying to pick up the ball that was sort of started on the uh, Uncle Grandpa Steven crossover, which at the very last minute Mm. had the extra goal of putting in as many Cartoon Network character names. On that list. Yeah, on uh, Uncle Grandpa's list. Yeah. So it kind of felt like we were sort of uh, almost like you know, picking up that idea. Yeah, tying all the worlds together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In fact, yeah, you know, we had 
we had an idea on that Uncle Grandpa crossover that uh, if we tied all those worlds together, we would force every other show to do an Uncle Grandpa crossover. <laughs> <laughs> I think he, he can go to different dimensions to help people. So yeah. it only makes sense that he can cross over to different shows. I remember I was talking to uh, Spencer, the executive producer of Clarence, and they really wanted to do an Uncle Grandpa crossover, but they they ended up with not enough episodes or something. So it could have happened. Yeah, it's funny how these crossovers work because we kind of created the uh, the Nexus itself as a place that could be returned to either by us or by another another production if it came down to it. Because uh, it's the kind of thing like, well, you know, we built an entire uh, world. Of course, it's based on uh, some some stuff that has existed in the past. And yeah, I think um, putting Garnet in it, I think, was always like a huge goal of mine. I always wanted Garnet to be like... A guest character in OKKO. So yeah, why why Garnet? I'm I'm curious. Oh gosh, I don't know. I think she's very much ours. I th- I think mm-hmm. we well because R- Ruby and Sapphire are. I mean, Armenian we created, and Garnet is us. Yeah, we created all the Stephen characters together, like you know the way they look and the way they act. But I think Garnet was the most um, collaborative, maybe because it was literally a fusion of our character <laughs> <laughs> of our yeah and i think also you know toby we, we we kind of felt like garnet fit the most into ko's world yeah there'd be the least explanation necessary um and just kind of i feel like we, we knew immediately they would simply get along mm-hmm. uh, upon meeting and they wouldn't need to spend a bunch of time being like getting to know each other or getting to like each other they would kind of gel immediately yeah yeah there's a i think a lot of what you brought to steven is so alive in ko yeah um, there's it just feels like they make sense together instantly. there's an early um episode of steven garnet's universe which is pretty much the <laughs> yeah. same tone as OKKO. Okay yeah. Right. So it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's sort of interesting because Steven has been maturing as a character and his really jubilant young self that you had so much input mm-hmm. on at the time, I think is really alive in KO as he's grown up yeah. and become more sobered yeah, yeah. <laughs> by the reality. No, it's true. Steven. KO kind of acts like like a younger Steven in some ways. So the way he gets excited about little things. So that matchup made a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it's something I never really would have thought about, but it just gelled really well. When once I saw them together, I was like, oh, well, duh, yeah. <laughs> and it was based on um, those old CN bumpers, right? Is that was that the vibe you guys very, were going very much for? So. The yeah. CN City ones. Yeah, we basically when we were thinking about the actual place that the Nexus was. In thinking about, oh, it's a world where all the Cartoon Network characters come together, we very naturally were like, oh, that's actually been done before. Mm-hmm. Mm. So, yeah, we we basically did a bunch of research to basically bring those locations back to life, or actually destroy those locations. <laughs> and then bring them back to life at the, at the end of the episode. Exactly. Yeah, but yeah. there's new pieces. That's my favorite thing about it is that... There are new elements that weren't there when we were kids. That's because true. Because there are new shows. And it's, sometimes it's hard to internalize that we're a part of Cartoon <laughs> Network's know. legacy. Yeah, it felt almost weird to be like, can we put Gars in there? Yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah, it's kind of cool. If you if you pay attention, you can kind of see, we kind of tried to build out like the lore and continuity of what could have happened to the CN City and, and since then. And, and we kind of, you know, we, you can assume from looking at it that the city continued to grow as Cartoon Network continued to exist, and, yeah. it, and what happened with Red Strike maybe happened more recently. Yeah, it's yeah, true. The treehouse is there. The treehouse is I, there. I like felt yeah. this pang in my heart. <laughs> See the yeah, tree we put house. the regular show house in. It, it fit it, yeah. perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> and we put uh, 
ghost planet from space ghost like up in the sky like really far back yeah that's that's like a hard one to see i love that um at the end when when ben sort of transforms into all those different characters well first of all that whole sequence is just like stunning but then it was amazing that he he turned into fan at the end it felt very fitting oh yeah yeah I was actually, uh, I storyboarded that uh, sequence on a plane. I was going to Brazil for Brazil Comic Con. <laughs> and a I, year ago? Uh-huh, yeah, and I storyboarded that on the plane. And I was just, uh, I remember I was, I was texting Toby earlier and I was like, which character should I put in? And you gave me like a huge list of everything. Yeah, we because like it's interesting because in the initial variations of this project, you know, it was really about K.O. Garnet. Ben and Raven. And then we sort of started mm-hmm. to kind of trickle in all these other characters. And mm-hmm. that sequence that you boarded was the first time that we were like, let's just throw in some other characters and yeah. see what happens. And then that kind of created an explosion that ended up overtaking the whole episode. Yeah. Uh, where it's like, we were like, can we do this? And then it right. came down to, we're going to do this as much as we possibly yeah. can. I remember I asked you, Rebecca, uh, should I put Steven in those characters? And you were like, oh, but if Steven's in there, Garnet would be on the ground like, Steven, wait. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be a little odd. It would be too, it would be too surreal. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. And all the, all, all the like different cameos were things that we kept, they, they were evolving throughout the entire production all the way until like right before delivery, we were, yeah. we were sneaking people in. Yeah, I think, like, the final, like, four characters were Super Cow, Johnny Bravo, Buttercup, and Dexter. Mm-hmm. And those were put in, like, it was, like, the week we delivered it. Yeah, we drew were, them on the frames. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, were, we were still a little bit sheepish about touching, like, the original originals in such, a, dir- in such a direct way. It's true. Uh, but uh-huh. we, we ended up going for it. I felt really nervous because I'm like, oh, I really revere those shows, like, so highly. But then... Because of that, it made me not want to do anything with them. And then once it became like more of a Cartoon Network celebration, it felt like, oh, well, we have to include them. Yeah, it yeah. became conspicuous that they weren't there. Yeah. So it's good that you did that. So did you just, um, you drew them in-house? Yeah. Those last final Yeah, frames? we did. And we, and we comped them in. Yeah. That's so cool. Sometimes we draw right on the, right on the frames of animation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's rare. I used to call it tiffing. So you, we'd open up a tiff. That, I don't know if that. Yeah, like tiff files. It's like a sequence of, uh, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then you draw on each one. Yeah. So yeah. every once in a while, you, something goes by and we drew it ourselves on that frame of on that frame. Yeah. Like We've a, taken to every time we do it, try to hide a uh, subliminal smiley face. Yep. That's oh, you, that's, that's cute. You know. I like that system. Oh, man, I, I don't... Yeah, yeah so, so uh, you'll have to look really close, but they're there. Um, and so, yeah, we started by just being like, oh, who do we really like? Who do we want to see? And so I felt really strongly about certain characters like Robot Jones. And yeah. Then, and then it started there, and then it became just everyone. It had to be yep. everyone. Who wanted Moxie? That was... that was that, I think we had wanted Moxie uh, for ages. We cause... talked about doing just putting Moxie in, in OKKO. Yes. Like, there was <laughs> a, a lot of Moxie. There was a version of the episode we got hacked where Moxie appears as the villain at the end of the episode, yes. which we didn't do for a few reasons, primarily because Moxie's cool and we don't want him to be a bad <laughs> you don't guy. Be bad, uh, but also because I, I have memories of watching Moxie as a kid and being like, "Wow, this is revolutionary." Uh-huh, me too. Um, so it was very important that Moxie was there. Yeah. One other thing I wanted to ask about was like, do you guys have any like stories that were left on the cutting room floor for the crossover? Um, well, more, of yeah, <laughs> more than any other episode we've done, uh, there's stuff on the cutting room floor. But of interest to Steven Universe fans, uh, there was an extended sequence with. Uh, Ruby and Sapphire, and actually, Rebecca, you did a little bit of drawing. Yeah, I did for that. some stuff for it too. Mm-hmm. We had a really extended sequence where originally the idea was that 
that drone that Red Strike has was a pen that could uh, hypnotize different characters and turn them against each yeah, other. Yeah, it was more battling driven. Like KO meets everybody, fights them, yeah. and then joins their team. So we had a huge sequence where it was actually Ruby and Sapphire fighting each other. And then KO got them to stop because Sapphire was like, oh, I like something about this kid's face. And there was like a moment where like <laughs> Ruby and KO are just like, what? <laughs> yeah. And they just really make cute. the same. Oh, wait, no, I saw yeah, that Yeah, they on just Twitter. make the same yeah, exact that... expression. Yeah. It was just, it felt, at the time, it's like we need to dedicate the time for KO to meet Ruby, to mm-hmm. meet Sapphire, and then see them combine and then separately meet Garnet. And that was a really cool sequence that a lot of love got put into that unfortunately wasn't able to make it into the yeah. final version. Yeah, and Rebecca, you drew them, their uh, fusion and then Garnet appearing for the first time. Yep. But got we cut. Yep, we didn't get to use it. Hey, that's the uh that's a sad reality of making TV. Yeah, that happens mm-hmm. all the time. So I'm not sad about it. I mean it's I mean it's the way. normal reality of yeah. TV. <laughs> I do a lot of stuff that doesn't make it into the Yeah, we cut so many things. The end of things. So one other thing, uh you you mentioned like the possibility of leaving this open for the future. What are the odds we see another crossover nexus? What what about just any crossover like this? Would you be interested in doing something like that down the line? Well, we we have other crossovers Ooh. that are coming that yes. are not crossover nexus that are very exciting. Yes, that we have not announced, but uh, they're okay. on the way. Yeah, but as far as the return of crossover nexus, that'll depend on a lot of uh yeah. other factors. So I think that if people want it, they should ask for it. But personally, I would love to see Kao and Garnet interact again. Absolutely. to me, that was the um, sort of emotional center of the episode. Same. When when she made him the POW card, I was like, oh. <laughs> My favorite thing is when um, Forearms is like, thanks, Garnet. <laughs> I don't even know why it's so funny. Uh, it's just really good. It's like John, it's, John DiMaggio just at his like best being like, like everyone's just yeah, got thanks, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've just gotten used to her being around. It's like not a thing anymore. Yeah, like, people are barely thinking about it. They're very used to each other by that point. That's my favorite. I, I every version of it I saw, I would I kept laughing at that. Even yeah. the animatic and the work print, and it always made me laugh. I mean, it's just something uh, that you know. I know, like we've all all been really interested in we love cartoon crossovers those are always like they were always really exciting as a kid when yeah. you got to see uh, your favorite characters interact i used to be really fascinated by the crossover of the ace ventura cartoon and the mask cartoon oh, oh yeah yeah, yeah that was great <laughs> two not jim carrey voices <laughs> that are different than yeah. each other talking to each other <laughs> it feels like they almost did that as a dare just like <laughs> yeah. could we really do this and could it really be real um yeah. But yeah, I mean, to go back to uh, Say Uncle, like that was that was a really crazy idea. But um, it was just like so exciting to get to see those characters interact. The episode really uh, goes an extra level when we went the extra step of having Steven appear in Uncle Grandpa's world. And that was really fun. I remember you guys showing me the animatic for that and being like, this is the best cartoon I've ever seen. (laughs) (laughs) A thing I I really like about that cartoon, though, is like Uncle Grandpa, like he looks at the camera and says, don't worry, this isn't canon. But on the other hand, I consider it 100 percent canon. Yeah, it's a crucial part of of Steven's development. (laughs) Because if you if you go by the actual story order, Steven didn't know how to get his shield. Right. It got slipped later, but you can tell it actually takes place before um, Jailbreak. Jailbreak. Because Garnet. Garnet's different. Yeah. yeah. The tools for an audience member who, you know, doesn't want the episode to be canon, it's there. The tools are there for them to not consider it canon, but I'm going to continue to consider it canon. I feel like there's a, um, we have, there's a good out, though, because, like, you could say, 
It's a uh, daydream that Steven had. And in that daydream, Mr. Gus told him how to get his shield. <laughs> and then from that point on, he knew. He was watching Uncle Grandpa on yeah, TV and exactly. fell asleep. Right, right. When he realizes yeah. his powers are maternal. That, that reminds me that the original ending of Crossover Nexus was that Ko grabs the Garnet card and he goes, wow, it was all canon. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> yes. Was, yeah. I missed that. That was nice. It's funny. So one other thing I wanted to ask is... um. Along with Save the Light, Let's Play Heroes, the OKKO game, is coming to Switch. Uh, how does that feel for you guys? Or It's already on Switch. Yeah, right? it is. Yeah, it's out now. Yeah, it came yeah, out. Yeah, you can get it from the eShop. Uh, there's going to be a physical release, but it comes later. It's great. It's very, very, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, we worked really hard on that game. We, you know, we talked to them every week. We played so many builds. And yeah, it's going to be great. And especially that... It's coming out alongside Save the Light, which is also a really good game. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It'll be fun to have them both. Yeah. It feels like a great place for them to be. And, you know, if you're a fan, if you're a fan of the show, it's, it's, there's so much great OKKO content uh, in that game. And, and, Cappy, if you're listening, I miss you. <laughs> <laughs> it's so fun. I, I love that game. We've been at home. We, we play each other's games. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm not done yet with Let's Play Heroes, but it's so fun to play. It's so satisfying to play. Yeah, it's a really fun game. So, so we've also got a bunch of fan questions for you guys to answer. I'll get those together and we'll do that coming up. All right, I'm here with Rebecca Sugar, Ian JQ, and Toby Jones. First question I have is from Trust Speak Fight. Uh, they're wondering, what character would you have resonated most with as a child? Amethyst. <laughs> Pearl. I mean, I, I watch cartoons now the exact same way that I watched them when I was a child, and I always <laughs> relate to incredibly neurotic characters, so <laughs> Pearl for all situations. <laughs> nice. Next question I have is from Jimmy. If you could have one Steven Universe character playable in Smash Bros., who would it be? And I also want to ask about uh, KO as well. I mean, it would be Garnet. It's got to be Garnet. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. She would have the most moves. Mm-hmm. Uh, her final smash would be um, making huge gaunts that yeah, would go the into the stage gaunts. and make an explosion that would uh, <laughs> hit all the characters. And I, I don't think it's enough for this to just be a hypothetical conversation. I really think Garnet should be in Smash Yeah, put Garnet, put <laughs> Garnet on like, Smash. This isn't like us having fun. This is very real. We'll all we'll all fly over and help. We want to make it happen. Yeah, absolutely. I will spend money, my, my own money. I will empty my personal <laughs> bank account to make oh, it happen. Whatever you. it takes. And, yeah. But I do have a pitch for an OKKO okay uh, Smash Brothers representation. Here's just off the top of my head. Here's a pitch. What if it's like Pokemon Trainer, but it's Boxman and his robots? Oh, that would be great. And he swaps okay. out all of his robots. That would be have amazing. Their own, uh, stuff. That would be an incredible amount of work, but I think I really think it should happen anyway. Yeah, you know, just uh, just make Echo Fighter the Pokemon trainer. I want yeah. a, I want a Boxman Pikmin where his robots just follow him around. <laughs> <laughs> that would be cute. Yeah, and he like throws awesome. three throws him at people. Yeah, but he doesn't <laughs> like it. That would be a really funny game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Next question I have is from uh, anonymous, asking when initially thinking of concepts for Steven, uh, what were some of the craziest things you thought of? I remember Gem Drone was originally going to be like this space worm that attached to Steven's head. Yeah, it was. We still have a drawing of it. It was. Oh, <laughs> this, oh, wait, this oh. became so many different. Okay, it, okay. Eventually, it became Marble Madness. Oh. Yes. Which was the the premise initially was like Steven makes friends with a thing that is clearly not a friendly thing. Like he's anthropomorphizing mm-hmm. some device, some like machine or device or yeah. thing that is, and he's just like, it's cute. It's my friend. And like, this thing is not yeah, instead of, a friend. Instead of marbles, they were going to be like these like floating gem worm 
things. Yeah, and one like attaches itself to one, his head, and yeah. he's just like, I like it. Yeah, one of them <laughs> attached itself to his to like his face. It's it, fun. Like, it's went over fun. his eyes. He's like, it's funny, and they're like, Stephen, no, get that off of your head. He's like, no, he's my new friend. Uh, yeah, gem least, drone is that what gem it is drone? I think yeah, no. gem droid. <laughs> yeah, gem droid maybe. Yeah. Gem yeah, drill. There's some names that like just lived for years and then suddenly found an episode. Oh wait, I have one though. I have one though. Uh, actually, and we can talk about this now mm-hmm. because so there was a murder mystery basically of figuring out uh, who 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 shattered Rose Quartz. Oh, the noir episode. And we had a noir episode called uh, "Welcome to Gemtown" or like what was it? It's Gemtown, fellas. Yeah, Diamond Town or Diamond something. Diamond Town. It yeah. was. This did not. Yeah, this was where Bubbled ended up eventually mm-hmm. when he was in space. There was a version where Stephen was like. Steven? Drifting through space, dreaming, and broadcasting his dreams Ar- onto... Yeah, originally it was going to be Stephen... Like a second. Uh, Stephen got ejected out into space, and then he passes out and puts himself in the bubble. And while he's in the bubble, he has a dream that is like a noir... Uh, it's like a noir movie, a detective movie, where Stephen's a detective in Diamond Town, trying to figure out who offed Rose Quartz. And, um, uh, who offed Pink Diamond. Who offed Pink Diamond, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And uh, it was going to be like a whole like gumshoe like detective yeah. story. Where- Jasper was going to like stumble in and be like, "She's dead." <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, it didn't work at all. I'm I feel crazy, like nuts. Just yeah, like, yeah. That, well, that was the thing. You know, we had to. We explored so many different ways to do this mystery. We really went mm-hmm. every avenue. We explored mm-hmm. it until we settled on what we did. Yeah, that was really fun. We spent a lot of time working out. Uh, the mystery and the plan and then we were like this is ridiculous how are we gonna do this <laughs> well it's a big reveal you gotta you gotta make it count exactly yeah and that was yeah. a little early for some of that stuff that yeah. was the thing he knows it but he just found out because uh back to the moon had just happened so like, exactly we found a different subtler way for him to yeah we changed it a little, be known bit. a little bit and i yeah. love all that eyeball stuff between between that and all the stuff with eyeball really talking about it basically a lot of those themes that we were gonna explore in the dream sequence made their way into the actual show right i would say a lot of the wildest ideas though from the beginning are ideas that we com- totally did and we just did them That's like true. lara's dying <laughs> coming back mm-hmm. that was like one of the first episode ideas we ever yeah. had i remember you you talking to me about that being like yeah this is what's gonna happen and i was just like are they ever gonna get there it's so <laughs> it have so much and if they got there it's like the coolest thing ever yeah <laughs> i started making charts later on yeah because there was just so much to but yeah, Lar- track of the build on. lars of the stars was just like a, a dream. yes that right that yes that's probably the that's the best example that's the best example. <laughs> i drew i drew a picture of space pirate lars of space pirate lars for a barbecue at our house in like 2013 or something like it was like one of the first get-togethers we had and it was just because we all thought the the name lars of the stars would be funny yeah and and i drew it we were like we were thinking like it's very old that'll be the sequel if we do a sequel it'll be (laughs) lars in space and then yeah we yeah we we pitched on lars in space since almost the very beginning of the mm-hmm. show, which is why eventually I was like, well, we have to just do it. I mean, yep. we have so many ideas for this that yeah. we can't just not actually do it. <laughs> but one of my favorite things running the show would be we would joke about a lot of ideas. And then one day I'd be like, let's just do it. Yeah. And people would be like, wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> be like, right. no, no, no. I want to do I'm serious. Let's just do it. I'm not afraid. No, but actually, yeah. <laughs> That's great. If it's fun, if we're having fun talking about it, there must be. Then there must be, be a reason fun. why. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, one last question from Luna, 
who wants to know uh, how do you keep building up your dreams as an animator, and like, were there any difficult times that you had to get through to get there? Hmm. I think uh, what's in common with me, Toby, and Rebecca is that um, we all kind of made our own stuff uh, by ourselves. Like, you know, I was doing like web cartoons. Toby, you were making films and making your own comics. Rebecca, you were making your own comics and doing like we were doing like short films and stuff like i think like the most difficult time is when you're just not making stuff yeah the, the hardest thing is like i think that what really mattered you know to me there were many hard times um and the thing is though that like in hard times is when i needed to make art the most mm -hmm. like it didn't discourage me i needed to summon life from making art and if it weren't for that like that kind of reflex of like not stopping and only being more encouraged by the harder times got i don't think any good thing would have happened absolutely yeah you had a you had a similar you know background okay when we first were together i was like ready to give up on mm -hmm. animation actually i mean i had i had studied it i was yeah ready to do yeah you you wanted to quit you were a job in it but yeah i had fallen out of love with it because all of the ephemera of it the the model sheets, the prop designs, the, you know, the, I wanted to like sit down and make a film. I wanted to do everything myself and the blueprints aspect of it. The television aspect of, an, of animation was sort of making me sad. I mean, that stuff is not really that romantic. It's not, but you made me fall back in love with it at the yeah. time because Ian loves that part. Yeah. All the animation. ephemera, you know, I think, uh, you know, one of my first, uh, one of my first uh, experiences in television animation was working on the Adult Swim show, The Venture Brothers. And that was when I realized that, oh, how you design the thing, how you schedule the thing, how you organize the thing actually changes the art that you get yeah, at the end. How it feels, how it looks. Yeah. So, and also, I mean, honestly, you were like, I want to quit. And I was just like, no, you're really good at this. <laughs> <laughs> well, it wasn't that I wanted to quit. I wanted to, I was like, I'm just going to make independent comics. That'll be how I express myself. Because if I, you know, going through this pipeline, it seems right. like it, it couldn't help but um, take away from the creative part. And, and that's when you're yeah. sort of like, this is the creative part. Like the organization of it is part of yeah. what the experience of it is. And I started to watch TV animation in a very different way mm -hmm. after thinking of it that way. And that's not a knock on independent comics, which, you know, we'll all find our ways back to. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they're just completely different. Yeah. Yeah. The the, oh, do yeah. both. Yeah. <laughs> the, the important thing is that like making art isn't the goal. Making art is the thing you do today. Yeah. Yeah. To, so that you can make more art. Yeah. And I've said this to a lot of young people who have troubles, but it's like having a dream of a specific job doesn't. No one who I know who's successful at what they do had a dream of having a specific job uh, to be a showrunner, to be an animator, something like, you know, that's not a dream. That's I, a little, I, I dreamed of that. I mean, but I'm saying that can't be the... That's not the only, end. Yeah, because once be you're your, in that position, you then have to do it. And exactly. if you aren't already doing it, you won't know how to do it. Yeah, it can't be your only goal. Your goal, you have to be the kind of person who what, wants to make stuff. Yeah, wants have to make something art. to say. Inside. You have something to say. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay, thanks to Ian JQ, Toby Jones, and Rebecca for answering all those fan questions. We've actually got a few more to go, but we're going to do a quick chair swap and say goodbye to Ian and Toby, and hello to Steven Universe co-executive producers Kat Morris and Joe Johnston, who are joining Rebecca to answer a few more. Let me welcome Steven Universe co-executive producers Kat Morris and Joe Johnston back to the podcast. 
They're here to help Rebecca Sugar answer some of the fan questions that were submitted. So first up, I got a question from B. If the Zircons knew about coffee, would they drink it? Definitely. <laughs> I think uh, their, their bodies are made of light, so they wouldn't be able to absorb <laughs> caffeine. I, it, would do, it would do nothing for them. It would have to be just for the flavor. Yeah, I think if it helped them win a case, they would do it if it was some sort of demonstration. They need it. <laughs> okay, a uh, question from Shiny Saturn. How do you think Andy DeMeo and Holly Blue Agate would get along if they ever met? <laughs> <laughs> Their situations are, are so very different. I think they would have no way to relate to each other at all. They're both kind of cranky. Is that the... <laughs> <laughs> the way that they would be similar, but I, I um, this would really be a, a context thing, I think. <laughs> but I appreciate the interest in both of them very much. Yeah, the, I just the specificity was why I was like, I need to, I just need to know. Okay, from trust, speak, fight. Which character would you have resonated with the most as a child? Oh, Ruby for me. Mm-hmm. Akani, I feel like, is a yeah. <laughs> slam dunk for me. And Steven for me. Awesome. Okay, from Jimmy. Uh, this one's really fun. If you could have one Steven Universe character be playable in Smash Bros. Garnet. Uh, what would it be? <laughs> Who would it be? Garnet. No <laughs> it, would, it would be Hoppy and Hopper. <laughs> Because Ian already animated them. Oh yeah, Smash. playing Smash. And, okay, that's a good point. Uh, say uncle. I'm a I'm a huge coward. I play very defensively, so I feel like I would have to be Steven, even though that's a really obvious answer. Darn it, please. <laughs> it makes sense. Okay, from Jacob, uh, what was the inspiration for Lars and Sadie's arcs in season five? That's interesting. Well, I think of Lars and Sadie as paralleling Rose and Greg in many ways. Lars is setting off to have these intergalactic adventures. He becomes a a person who is pink and magical. Uh, And Sadie is uh, setting off on her rock and roll career. I think that there are these two sides of Stephen's life, you know, his magic side and his human side, that they sort of fall on those tracks in a way that I thought felt like a nice symmetry to me. Okay, from Robin, we have... Can Rebecca talk about the influence uh, Revolutionary Girl Lieutenant had on her and her and the show? We should start a new podcast. Are we just yeah, talking about Lieutenant? Yeah, we should. Podcast. It's, yeah, how am I going to keep this short? Who's well, watching? Uh, yeah. Um, me, and, me and Kat are both extremely huge fans. I think for me, I mean, that show was really revelatory for me when I was younger. The characters are you know, gender nonconforming. The Utena is bisexual canonically it's I did not seen something like that and it was really mm-hmm. exciting to me and also just the way that it kind of breaks down like the savior character and the pitfalls of that mm-hmm. and the upsettingness of damseling someone like what that means I mean all of it it's mm-hmm. semiotically it's fascinating I loved it um, I actually saw the movie first and I was very confused by it and then I <laughs> back to the show but there are, are a huge amount of references Stephen is is Utena mm-hmm. in a lot of ways as a character tonally I really appreciate how funny it is despite being very dark yes it's, it's silly so it's like I mean, Nanami turns into a cow like mm-hmm. I mean I hate that episode but <laughs> Akio Akio jumping on the front of yeah. the car is so, so silly many, yeah they're just vis- visual gags mm-hmm. uh, and over the over the top drama yeah. on purpose 
it's aspirational. Yes, it's really it's really fantastic. Uh, Connie has Anthe's nightgown. Yeah, that's something. So that's a little Easter egg. And then obviously Winter the sword coming out of wine is exactly. Yes, and that. Probably a little more. Just that. And then um, I was watching the show right at, yeah. during the first. You borrowed season. my DVDs, right. I think. Yeah. Yeah. How did you feel about it coming coming to it as an adult? <laughs> I, he has a I mean, face. like what what you said. It's it's a semiotic feast. Yes, uh, there's it's a almost, semiotic feast. There's there's almost there's almost too much to, to ever focus on, or even like. The, the episode just goes by and you you just like there was so much stuff thrown at me just rewatch it like five or six times <laughs> that's, like the rest that's of the us. problem that's the that's, i mean that's what i, I, I have then you can I mean, absorb I, it all i just i i grabbed onto the really cool fight stuff so <laughs> oh yeah, oh, yeah the hollow pearl fight that stuff's yeah. great yes that's a very direct okay yeah. next yes okay next question is from i don't know how to pronounce this but ece coup who why doesn't the government pay attention to the gems i would say well in terms of the local government, Nanafa has now become very involved and very aware. Yeah. But there is a general uh, theme in the show of humans being pretty disinterested in gem goings on. And the theory for, for me for that would be, I mean, this is something that for 6,000 years, people have been living on Earth with the ruins of gem locations. I mean, this is not, this is an alternate world where this happened in the past. So I feel like similarly, when we walk around Los Angeles or, or, I mean, I'm sort of from the DC area, you know, I would be a kid walking around with these, you know, incredible, important monuments and in, in ancient, not ancient because America <laughs> is so new, but, um, you know, pieces of history around that I didn't appreciate at all. It was just there. It was just like part of the backdrop. And I think it's interesting to me that there are a lot of really fascinating things going on around us that we don't notice because we're just accustomed to them. They've always been there. That was what I thought about with that. There's stuff about it too that there's we just honestly haven't explored. Like we we don't really know what the country is like, whether it is right. America. Well, we or we it, know, but okay. we haven't put it in the But yeah, yeah, I mean but there's things there's things that are different. Right. Like Kansas City is where Hollywood, it's Hollywood yeah. is, you know. Mm-hmm. California is a bunch of Californians. Uh-huh. Yes. Wait, wait, there's a bunch of islands down down mm-hmm. in florida and right Flor- yeah. florida's islands yeah california's farmland califarmland yeah is what it's called yeah yeah it's a, it's a different world it's a different place mm-hmm. people's um, yeah relationship to everything's a little bit different delmarva is one state oh yeah 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 the next question is from pixie dust and fairy powers uh they asked since cross gym fusion is illegal on homeworld but same gym fusion is fine would it be legal for differently colored gems of the same kind like yellow and blue diamond or yellow and blue pearl to fuse with each other would that be like allowed no no i think you'd have to be within a range you have to they would have to think that you're the same person when you're together because everything everything is sort of flattened out across the groups i think the idea that fusion makes you into a new individual is what alarms homeworld gems right so for them the only thing that would make sense is you becoming a bigger version of yourself because they really don't appreciate the individuality of like a ruby and another ruby. They, two of them together make a ruby. Like to them, that's all the same thing. There's only like one way a type of gem can be. So if there's anything differentiating two people, two gems, you wouldn't want to get the sense that together they form someone different because everything is about putting you in a category that's easy for them to understand. Okay, cool. And then for one more question, I got this 
a lot of times when I ask for questions, people really? ask me. That's not a username. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's not a username. <laughs> this is just many, that many people. That would be pretty people. funny. Yeah. So many, many people, people asked, ask. when will the hiatus end? December 17th. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, December 17th. Okay. Well, then we have a lot to look forward to next month. Also, yeah. watch yeah. it. All right. Thank you guys so much for answering these fan questions. You're welcome. You're, You're welcome, so welcome. Thank you for asking. Thank you for them. the questions. Thank you for your interest in the Zircons. <laughs> <laughs> and Andy DeMeo. And Hollywood. Times. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hollywood. Yeah. The Steven Universe podcast is produced by Charles Abadje, Stacey Para, and Conrad Montgomery. Special thanks to Rob Sorcher, Cartoon Network Studios, The Crewniverse, and Turner Studios in Atlanta. Coming up on Thursday, I'm super excited to welcome Matthew Moy, the voice of Lars, to the podcast, and to have storyboard artist Lamar Abrams return. We're talking about Lars of the Stars, and I cannot wait. So be sure to subscribe to the Steven Universe podcast at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss it either. Please leave us a rating interview while you're there. You can also find the Steven Universe podcast for free on Spotify and on Amazon and Google smart speakers. I'm Mackenzie Atwood, and I'll see you next Thursday.